Would you like to retire with enough? My name is Peter Guidry, and I am the host of the Retiring with Enough podcast. In today's podcast, we'll be speaking about life and interpersonal relationships. There's an old saying that says, life's tough, so wear a helmet. As we move through life, everyone experiences little bumps and hills along the path, and I'm sure that at some time or another, we've all encountered friends and others who've treated us rudely. But during a recent encounter with a friend, I was left with the feeling of having been treated both rudely and dismissively. But instead of being upset, I'm going to try and turn this interaction into something positive through the creation of this podcast. The problem was that this was not the first incident of rude behavior when interacting with this person, but it was actually the first time I explored the causal factors of that type of behavior. My introspection ultimately led me to understand that the response came from my friend's emotional base of self-importance. This made me sad, as... I didn't want to admit that this was the true reason for this person's behavior, and I'd also tried to convince myself that self-importance was a product of current social media instead of being a function of human nature. Intellectually, both my education and my long-term dental practice have made me aware of the foibles of human nature. The problem here is that I had chosen to disregard my experiences and my knowledge when interacting with my self-important friend. I really didn't want to admit to myself that this was the true reason for this person's behavior, and I had definitely tried to convince myself that the self-importance was a product of the current social media instead of being a function of human nature. I think intellectually I'm aware of how people act and react in certain situations, but unfortunately I had chosen to disregard my friend's long-term history of acting from a position of self-importance. This is a long-term friend that I'm talking about, not a casual acquaintance. So the first decision I made was to show this person a little bit of grace and potentially give them a hall pass for their bad behavior. Is the idea of self-importance a developmental carryover of self-preservation? In prehistoric times, cavemen who were unaware eventually became lunch for some other prehistoric carnivore. Only those cavemen who were aware of themselves and of the imminent danger in their surroundings survived for long periods. In prehistoric times, self-importance fostered self-awareness and self-preservation. Those cavemen who didn't look out for themselves and think of themselves as their top priority really didn't live a long time. But in today's society, does self-awareness equal self-importance? We're not cavemen anymore, and so my answer is no. I feel that it is important for everyone to be self-aware, but the context here is not self-awareness, but how what we say and do affects those around us. Self-importance is in direct opposition to self-awareness, because the words and actions of the self-important are really unaltered by the effect they have on people that are around them. The surrounding people are really not a factor in what they say and do because they are more important than the people around them. 
Self-importance is a pretty easy behavior to understand today in light of social media, news reports, the actions of athletes, and the actions of movie stars. Media influencers, movie stars, and athletes often act with an air of self-importance and disregard for others. This aura of self-importance is fostered and encouraged by the media. If we want to be like these cool and important people, then we must also be self-important. At least that's what we're programmed to believe. But does self-importance equal happiness? From an early age, I was taught to judge people from the inside out. And I think happiness is the same way. Happiness is not derived from looking in, but rather from looking out. A person who evaluates every situation in light of how it affects them has a much less chance of being happy than a person who realizes that their behavior can have either a positive or a negative effect on others. But more importantly, their behavior will have a positive or a negative effect on how they feel about themselves. I would like to say that I love my friend and my friend loves me, but there are different kinds of love. There are actually four different types of love, philia, storge, eros, and agape. The first type of love is philia, and philia is what we normally translate as friendship or affection. It's probably the most common type of of love. This is the most basic form of love and the one that's most commonly practiced socially. It's memorialized in the golden rule, do unto others as you would have others do unto you which means treating others the way you would want to be treated, and that obviously precludes self-importance. No one would consciously desire someone else to treat them as being unimportant. Storge is defined more as a kindred love, the love of parents and children, wives and husbands, loving affection, chiefly the reciprocal tenderness of parents and children. Eros is the word used to express the love of self, sexual love or physical attraction between people. Eros is the Greek god of love. Agape is fatherly love of God for humans, as well as the human reciprocal love for God. Agape love is the highest form of love. So if you take these four types of love and kind of bundle them all together, there actually are three different levels of love to consider. The first level of love is to love others as you would want them to love you. The second level is loving others as you love yourself. And the third level is loving others as God loves you. So I think if you think about this for just a second, you'll realize that the first level is where most people operate. We want other people to treat us the same way we treat them. The second level becomes a lot harder. With this second level of love, we love others as we love ourselves. This level of love would be expressed considering the other person's feelings and desires above ours when making decisions and putting others before self, which would leave no room for self-importance. The third level of love is the hardest to attain, and it's the highest level of love. God's love for us is pure and selfless. Agape love is considered to be the true essence and nature of love. So will I forgive my friend for the rude and insensitive behavior? Yes, I will, because I know the comment occurred during a stressful period. But it's actually pretty easy to forgive my friend because I only have to operate from level one love. 
I would want this person to forgive me if the situation was reversed. But is it possible for me to continue the friendship if I base it on agape love? This question's a lot harder to answer because to operate at the level of agape love, I'll need to forgive past indiscretions and future indiscretions while understanding that this person's behavior is probably not going to change. I'll need to be capable of loving this person as God would love them, even with their faults unchanged. But if I'm able to practice agape love, then I'll emerge as a stronger and a better person. What I'm attempting to do here is to grow personally by understanding that I can't control a change in other person's behavior. I can only control my response to the other person's behavior. But to practice at that highest level, I have to practice agape love. Here are some final thoughts. It's a fool's errand to think that we can change other people's behavior. We can only change our response to that behavior. Self-importance can be a significant problem as it leads to treating others opposite the way we would want to be treated in the same situation. There are three levels of love, with agape love being the hardest to achieve and the purest form of love. Happiness comes from striving for agape love, which means loving everyone and forgiving other people's faults. It's much easier said than done. And I'm sure there's somebody out there that's saying, instead of jumping through all those hoops, why not just confront the person and say, hey, you acted very badly and it hurt my feelings to basically front somebody else and try and hurt them the way that they hurt you. Would this really be productive? Would it really cause a change in that person's behavior or actions? I seriously doubt it. So what I'm going to do instead is work on my response to what other people do and what other people say. There's an old saying that says that people can change, just not much. But I'm going to try and work on myself, and hopefully I can affect a change. In my next podcast, we'll move away from behavioral studies and go back to more finance-related things. And we'll talk about net worth. Is net worth only a number, and why is it important? As always. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please feel free to leave a review. And if you want to partake in an online conversation, be sure to search for the Retiring with Enough group on Facebook. Thanks. The information and opinions contained on this podcast are for general education and are considered general communications. Information on the podcast was obtained from various sources and retiring with enough does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information presented. Retiring with enough strongly recommends that you perform your own independent research and or speak with a qualified investment professional, legal advisor, or tax professional before making any financial decisions. The information and opinions expressed should not be construed as financial planning and does not consider the economic status or risk profile of any specific person, nor does it constitute an offer.